Quantum Alchemy Radio, where a new perspective is a new reality. One slight shift. Imagine that one slight shift in perception can cause our perspective to become a new reality. Why not you? Why not now? Join us. Hello, listeners. A happy and warm welcome to all of you. So here we go. So, Dr. William Tilia, who you've invited me to call you, Bill. How are you today, Bill? I am... Excuse me. I am great. Pardon me, that's the frog in my throat. Okay, but I am well and happy and joyful. Very nice. (laughs) So my experience, Bill. Um, Can I interject just for a oh, moment? Please, because what please, what came please, please what came please. through my mind that your listeners need to understand is that the the conventional distance time mind of a human can process something like less than fifty bits of information per second, and maybe even as small as 12 bits per second. But the human unconscious can process more than 50 million bits per second. And so it is the human unconscious that is gathering all the information and processing it, probably writing equations and and making plots, but then it generates small kernels of information which it sends to the conscious mind, so the conscious mind will know that it is alive. But it only sends them along the pathways that the conscious mind has heretofore given meaning. If the conscious mind does not give meaning to the information, the information is basically dumped. So So if you want to grow by your unconscious feeding you, give things meaning. Give this moment meaning. Give this magazine meaning. That's all you have to do. Wow, that is potent in this moment. For me, again, for me personally, that is potent, Bill, because I moved into the magazine, what does this mean to me? Asking, okay, I'm going to spend this time here in this magazine, what does this magazine mean to me? And some of what I mentioned going into our conversation, just it, it, it just became more and more and more meaningful and gave me more and more answers, Bill, answers to questions that I personally, and of course being that I'm the one in everyone, we're all connected, I'm the one in everyone, and if questions are arising in me, they must be arising in others. And those some of those questions were answered for me. And so, listeners, I'm going to come in with what may sound crazy, but here we go. I asked myself yesterday while writing, why is it I always want to use a fine point pen? (laughs) And in, in one of Dr. Tiller's articles, he uses the example of the difference between using, let's say, a felt-tip pen when you're writing and using a fine point. Since I've been a child, 
I've always gravitated toward anything with a fine point. So, Dr. Tiller, maybe you'll, I mean, Bill, maybe you say something about that. It just answered something for me. Okay, well, let's, let's look at, at a sheet of paper. And in essence, the sheet of paper can manifest huge amounts of information. Um, so think of the kind of grid that might exist on the sheet of paper. When you make the grid very small in size, which but multiplied it all over the paper, especially if you're drawing it with a fine-tipped pen, then you can get more little square blocks on the paper. And each of those blocks, in fact, can be thought of as a bit of information, a bit mm-hmm. of the fundamentals of statistics, so that, and so that on another piece of paper, draw that grid pattern with a thick pen. Mm-hmm. You cannot have as many grid points. You can't have as many squares. Each of those squares, in essence, think of as a piece of potential information. And therefore, the statistics, the information that can be thought of as being on those sheets of paper Mm -hmm. can be an order of magnitude larger if you're drawing drawing the grid with a fine point pen versus a thick point pen. It's as simple as that. Yes. Yes, that absolutely makes perfect sense to me. If I may share for the listeners' um, idea, if you will, and I'm going to jump in again with something personal. I don't don't usually do this. I feel very moved, Bill. So listeners, here we go. I'm going to... I'm going to give you an example. As, as Bill speaks, along with why have I always wanted to use a fine point pen, something else just dropped in, and that is, in, in my own world, I believe in such a thing as an energy matrix. What I mean by that, an example is a friend of mine whose cousin was in a you know, horrific car accident in the middle of the night, went into a coma, really, really in tough condition, nine months in the hospital, and so what I presented to the family was the idea that we create an energy matrix or a grid where we made those squares like Bill was just speaking about and that in each block of those square, each block, a person put their name. You know, people who visited in the hospital put their name. So what was happening instead of individuals, Mary Joan and Jack, visiting the hospital, it became a collective consciousness of hearts that were entering that space for this person. Long story short, nine months later, she was released, you know, has to learn to walk and all that all over again. Point is, the power, she actually felt the power of that energy matrix by bringing together the collective. How are you hearing that, Bill, and would you and make some sense of my world and give it meaning. Okay, let's, let's, let me uh, do that, but I'll do it in what appears, might appear to be a sidebar. Um, first uh-huh. of all, you need to know that when you're talking about a matrix, the essence 
You must think in terms of a substance matrix. You must think of an energy matrix. You must think of an information matrix. You must think of a consciousness matrix. They are all part of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, the beginning is to recognize that we are all souls and we need a bio body suit to experience this distance time reference frame of reality. It's just mm-hmm. like a diving bell that you have to enter to go deep into the ocean to explore the bottom of the ocean several miles down. So the bio body suit is not what we are. It is the vehicle we inhabit in order to experience this level of reality. In our human circumstance, these are two important pieces. One is the electric atom molecule, bio-body suit. That's the skin stuff and the stuff that medicine pays attention to Mm -hmm. emotionally. The inner bio-body suit, still a piece of machinery, is the acupuncture meridian system where the human unconscious functions, where homeopathy functions, and acupuncture functions. That's the template of information that connects with the soul self. The soul self, basically think of it as a vehicle comprised of our emotion domain, our mind domain, and an aspect Uh of spirit domain. And all Uh of that embedded in the higher domains of spirit. And interestingly, from the perspective um, of this larger aspect, the electric atom molecule stuff is made of things that are subluminal. By that I mean the information travels slower than the velocity of electromagnetic light in vacuum. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. acupuncture meridian system is the bridge to the superluminal domain that is faster than electromagnetic light. And those are subtle energies that are functioning in that domain. And so all of the stuff, the important stuff of us, the soul self stuff, which we, where we truly are one, that that is in the superluminal domain and therefore looks invisible to us and looks invisible yeah. to our instruments because our instruments are made from electromagnetic waves, which are all subluminal. So yes. the you cannot perceive them with that kind of information. That's that's the old that's the old world for us. We're yeah. moving into the new world, which is the superluminal. And yeah. we're talking about new neurologies, we're talking about therefore new categories of phenomena, etc. So, and yet, our orthodox science has no tools. Is it built no tools because it hasn't believed that it exists? If, yes. you don't, if you don't give meaning to the existence of something, you cannot be awakened to yes. receive it and perceive it and be one with it. And that's that's in essence, think of it this way. I like to think of it this way anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Our spiritual parents dressed us in these bio-body suits, <laughs> and they put us in this playpen that we call a universe in order mm-hmm. to grow in coherence, in order to develop our gifts of intentionality, and in order to become what we are intended to become 
our greater self, is co-creators with our spiritual parents. That's ah. us. And that, yes. that's the parts of us. And we can understand why medicine and science is presently remarkably limited about mm-hmm. the larger aspects of ourselves. Because if you just even, I spent maybe 10 years looking at acupuncture and writing papers about acupuncture meridians and such, and you find that there's no histological evidence of acupuncture. But there is, if you make measurements of electric current and electric fields, there is evidence of that. So that if you have, we'll call it chi, just because that's been used in the the Asian world for a long time without understanding what it is. But if chi, in my modeling, I could give words for it, but... But in essence, for where we are today and just talking about it, so if chi is flowing through the acupuncture meridians and it's magnetic in nature, then yes. it induces electric currents outside of the meridians. And those we can measure. That's the only evidence that we have that this domain of reality exists. It's yes. very interesting. And so yes. you can begin to see... If all this other stuff is invisible, then, in fact, the human science domain and the the medicine domain, they will think it's empty because they're stuck in the idea that the tools they have and the energies they have, which has been wonderful work over the last 500 years, but its day is done. It's Mm -hmm. time to move into our future, and it's Mm -hmm. happening whether we like it or not. But yes. they have to come to understand that they need to start building new tools. Yes, and they're bright enough well, and creative enough; they'll do it if they give it meaning. Well, what if I can jump in for a moment, Bill? A million sure. things are coming to my mind. As an ordinary person here, just an ordinary person representing a huge percentage of the population in this moment, the new tools I'm noticing, you know, are here. And and they're the children, and oh yes, the ex- <laughs> and the example, the the real life in the moment example I give of that is Sienna, my five year old granddaughter, walking past the kitchen window, saying, "Nana, did you see him?" And I said, "Who?" She said, "The man that just walked by without his skin body." I said, "Oh no, I didn't," and she said. Um, he has his gray body, the one without the skin. I said, oh, well, did he see you? She said, no, he didn't turn, but I saw him. I said, well, man, maybe next time he'll turn and wave to you. Good so for you. Ev- evidence that they are, they're just, they're tapped into who we really are in terms well, of our multidimensionality. Yeah, it's, they are tapped in because they're, they already have the new superluminal neurology mm-hmm. already built into their bio-body suit. And mm-hmm. that ultimately will come to all of humankind, but more slowly with the adults, mm-hmm. present adults that are here now. But certainly the autistic children have that. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, anyway, enough said. The things that are important... Let me just add to that simple metaphor I gave. If we look at a light bulb, okay, let's say Mm -hmm. it's a 100-watt light bulb. 
it gives uh-huh. some light, but not a lot of light. And the reason it's not a lot of light is because the photons that come out of the light bulb, let's say every second, they are not in phase with each other, and so they interfere. It's called destructive interference. And so there's only a little bit of net light that is given by the 100-watt light bulb. But Mm -hmm. if you could arrange those photons, same number coming out per unit time, if you can arrange them to be in phase with each other, then the temperature at the surface of that light bulb with the same number of photons per unit time coming out would probably be about 10 times the surface of our sun. Now, that wow. is what humans, that's what humans are. Humans are at a place where they're mostly incoherent, and that's why they have to develop coherence within themselves. Right. Right. Now, we already know that something called LEDs, light-emitting diodes, that under certain conditions, uh, technical conditions, they can be made to act as lasers, small energy lasers, and they're now being used in light bulbs. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing that step uh, already occurring in our present technology. And so that metaphor needs to be expanded to the stage where we can become more coherent. And generally Mm -hmm. what happens, if if we create new information in ourself, build it into ourself. Mm-hmm. And if we try, let's say we want to meditate, we go deep into the silence, and that's called inner self-management, and we become more and more coherent. Now, what? And then we see the consequence of being more coherent in terms mm-hmm. of our energy capacity, which can go up by orders of magnitude. Uh, John Wheeler, who was really a great astrophysicist, um, <clears throat> wrote a paper a long time ago. He's dead now. But he wrote a paper saying that for our present quantum mechanics and uh, relativity theory to be internally self-consistent, which is what science always tries to do, to, in order to become internally self-consistent, then what we call the physical vacuum, which most people think are en- empty, says must contain a latent energy of something like 10 to the power, 94 grams of electromagnetic energy per cubic centimeter. Now, that's a huge number. What does it mean? If, you, if, you, if you'll bear with me, you, if you take the electromagnetic domain of reality, mm-hmm. we, know, we think we know the volume of our cosmos. All right? it's, a, it's about 15 billion light years in radius. And Astronomers have given us an average mass, electromagnetic mass density. So you multiply those two together, that tells you what the collective mass density of the cosmos would be. I mean, the energy density, pardon me, of the cosmos would be. So hold that in the right hand. It's a very large number. Now, Mm -hmm. let us take this 10 to the 94 grams equivalent per cc that, that our man, John Wheeler, said, must be present to stabilize quantum mechanics and relativity theory, which is our present paradigm. If you take the volume of a single hydrogen atom, which is about, well, the radius is 1 over 1 
followed by 23 zeros. Okay, oh. in terms of cubic <laughs> centimeters, it's it's incredibly small, and you multiply that by the 10 to the 94 grams per cc. Now, what you find is the latent energy density that's supposed to be available, and you hold that in the, your left hand. It turns right. out that the one in your left hand is a trillion times the one in the right hand. Right, right. So that is where the energy density is available for our future development. Mm -hmm. Once mm -hmm. we begin mm -hmm. to understand these superluminal domains of reality and we right. can unfold new science and have a new adventure and etc. go on and on. But the numbers are really interesting when one compares them. So we're not stuck in distance time the way our orthodox science thinks we are yes. and our orthodox yes. medicine thinks we are. So if we give the what I'm saying about this other aspect of nature that we're one with, then we will grow into it and become it. And it will yes. fuel us for the great adventure ahead. Beautiful, beautiful. And Bill, it, it just it um it speaks to when we first started our conversation about giving meaning and that is yeah. a powerful invitation listeners that bill is inviting us to take on it is it is always the smallest measures that bring us the greatest results so if you just whether it's eating your breakfast this morning and giving meaning to it for example that you're enjoying your meal and you are sharing that with those who don't have food. You actually have an effect. I mean, that's my everyday meaning of understanding what Bill has said. What's your idea on that, Bill? Well, it's, it's <laughs> the ultimate position that we will take as we evolve further than we are today is we will truly see ourselves as one. Mm. We will recognize that we're all part of the greater one, and we will not mm, embrace self-criticism and criticism of others, but we will embrace self-compassion and compassion yes. of others and do what we can. But, you know, you, you, ha you can only do these things by overflow. So there has to be a balance. The world mm -hmm. is the way it is. We have some good things, and we have a lot of lousy things. Um, we can try to, all of us can more than try, within our framework of being, we can lift others. We can yes. be joyful, which lifts yes. others. We yes. can do things to aid others, often just by smiling at them and by giving meaning to them in your mm. life. Mm. So anyway. Yes. Yes. Bill, Bill for me, in, uh, thus far in our conversation, listeners, I just heard a personal message to me that I'm receiving and giving meaning to, and Bill just said, you can only do from overflow, and that just gave me a message and gave me meaning in the moment, is to fill myself up more in self-love so that those who are 
entering my world, whether I'm out and about at the mall or with family and friends, that I must first be in flow to overflow so that they can bask in that energy of overflow. That's my meaning that I'm giving the words yes. that Bill just said. How am I doing, Bill? You're doing great. That's, that's, that is it. We are always radiating what we are, and we are always building on the outside of ourselves those structures that are consistent with what we are. And if we're not very developed, then what we build on the outside is not very developed. The more we work on ourselves to what I call inner self-management, to become more of what is just waiting there for us to um, utilize and refine and make coherent. Uh, And when we do that, we're on the path to continuing this development of ourselves. Ultimately, all of this universe is for us to become. We are the product that will be the end result of this particular playpen, which we co-create. It is our path to becoming creators. You know, that's where human intention is. We don't give it much meaning, but intention... Every intention we have is an act of creation. The issue of you couldn't crawl across the floor as a baby unless you didn't have that inside you to give it intention that you wanted to walk across to the other side of the room or crawl across the other side of the room. The same sort of thing if you want to learn to throw a football. Same sort of thing if you want to painting, give a painting, to write a poem, etc., is, is the power of intention to build all these acts of our life, going to school, learning information, doing all these things, the relationships, developing relationships between people. These are all acts of creation. And as we do them and as we grow and we become, we can become something far beyond, far, far beyond what our present capacities are. And we will do oh. that. It's a question of will we do it quickly or will we do it slowly? Um, but we are we are will become the creators down the road. Yes. All yes. of this yes. will be built into ourselves, and we be, will become eventually what we were meant to become. Mm. So yes. it's interesting to think about that, and it's interesting <laughs> to reflect upon the fact that what is the intention that nucleates stars and planets and uses the materials available in the universe to build those stars and planets and to build them not just at the electromagnetic level, which our tools presently can see, but at the invisible levels that our tools cannot see, but that are needed for greater harmony, Mm -hmm. greater capacity within these stars and planets. Yes. Who, who do you yeah. think does it? <laughs> right, I mean, right, right. Yes, what I'm hearing in that, Bill, is it, it is an expression and an acronym that I use a lot, which is W. I mean, which is Y-O-U, your yeah. own universe. You are the yeah. center of Y-O-U, your own universe. And, and that we'll, we... Yep. Go, yes, go ahead. And we will recognize that your universe is mine. 
and someone yeah. else's and someone else's. And then truly we are becoming one. Yes. And it's it's a feeling like with with going into the magazine this morning, Science and Spirit, how the world works, it's like it's we already know. We already know and in in the transmission of those words from the different articles as if, as yep. if it was just ringing my doorbell and my exactly. heart opened and my mind opened and I'm like, yes, I know. Yep. Yes, it's reawakening to those things. Yes, yep. and I want to refer to your article, Three Selves, and which yes. is in this premier issue of the magazine. You have a wonderful diagram there of yes. what you were speaking about earlier. So again, mm-hmm. listeners, I, I, it's wonderful to hear Bill or Dr. William tell you. It's wonderful. And it's also to be able to see the visuals in the magazine that are there. Um, also from different people who are contributing, I think of Dr. Nisha Manak, and her article is When Healing Listens for the Voice of God. That was an article I could absolutely just relate with. It. And it's as if reading the magazine, Bill, I was I felt like, wow, this is making sense of some of the many experiences that I've had. Um, yeah, let me, I, can, I, I, can I, sure, can I jump in. Uh, give a sidebar on that? Because basically... Yes, we did an experiment together. I don't know, in the in the article. I don't know whether she said anything about yes. this particular experiment. But basically, she and her brother found that if they used our intention host devices, um, unimprinted ones, and they set them in the same room as mm-hmm. the Buddha relics for maybe 72 hours, with the relics were there um, mm-hmm. in their home in California. And through over a weekend, 5,000 mm-hmm. people went through to view and be with the Buddha relics. Well, it mm-hmm. turned out that, that the devices were, I'll, I'll say we can treat it as a metaphor if you like, but they, yeah. they conditioned, they appeared to condition the Buddha relics much as we do with our experiments. And so mm-hmm. I decided to do an experiment with one of those, we'll call them... Uh, Buddha relics conditioned uh, intention host device. And I, we have it, uh, a casita, and it hadn't been used. And I thought, all right, I will put this device there and, and a couple of others, a temperature sensing device, a magnetic field sensing device, and uh-huh. invite the uh, power of the relics to influence any or all of these devices. And I didn't say request anything more than that. And so for the first six months, uh, basically not much happened. There was a very slight increase, but not much. And then my wife said, Bill, you've, you haven't given any instructions. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I then, what I did was I, um, I asked. I actually, uh-huh. in that room, I asked the Buddha relics because I had presumed that one of the reasons that we weren't getting anything was that it was at a too high a symmetry state in nature that these devices couldn't reach. And so I asked if, well, the words, it's easy enough to express them as 
I didn't use these words quite, but but to dumb itself down so that it was in so that it was in the band accessible band of one of these devices so it could give me some representation that I was heard and that yes. we could yes. measure something. Yes. Well it yes. turned out in the in the next three in the next three months the mm-hmm. one of the detectors which which was a pH detector which is measuring the alkaline uh, acidity balance water that shot up three pH units. That's an incredible right. amount of energy from this sort of thing. And, right. and I stopped the experiment then. But the thing that was remarkable to me that here are some of these relics were basically 3,000 years old. Mm-hmm. And yet mm-hmm. when I asked, yes. it was I was as if I was communicating. And it yes. communicated back in response to that request. And I got a, a huge huge signature, uh, which we then published in a short paper. But it says, if the question is ever asked, does, can human consciousness survive physical death? Yes. That's the answer. I mean, here 3,000 years ago, these things uh, Mm -hmm. have been in many cases. And here was consciousness interaction as if it was alive and listening and response responded to my request. Yes, yes. I so hear you. I so, in my, in my lay world, understand what you're saying for many, many reasons. You know, I've connected with the consciousness of those who passed on, etc. but I want to go into the listeners for a moment. So basically, what I'm hearing Bill say, listeners, is this. He spoke about you know, the 100-watt light bulb. And so in this 100-watt light bulb called the Buddha Relics, he asked for the light bulb, would you dim your light, would you come down to 75 watts so that I can connect with you because I'm only a 75-watt light bulb and I, I can't reach to that level of, you know, that 100-watt light bulb. So would you, would you dim your light for a little bit so I can connect with you? And that's what happened. How's that for layman language on I that? Think, I think that layman language is right on. <laughs> right on. It's perfect. So right. uh, I'm, right. I, as, as a scientist, I might quibble a little bit, but, but in terms <laughs> of the message, you've got it. Yes. Right. So there's the wobble. But I also want to bring out, Bill, in, in, and again, it's about this amazing magazine in that it is the everyday, um, you know, someone like myself in the everyday reading these short, brief, beautifully illustrated articles are able to connect to something we may be experiencing in our world that doctors and scientists are now making sense of and are proving so that that in some way, and I'm not so big on this world, the, the word validate, but in some way for myself, the example, I felt so validated in reading these articles like yes. it made sense of some of my experiences and gave meaning to me from this standpoint, Bill. I felt more powerful, self-empowered after reading some of these articles. It's one thing to know, 
You know, everyone says, oh, we're more powerful, we're more magnificent. Meanwhile, we're in the midst of trying paying bills or dealing with sick children or whatever, and you're listening to someone tell you how powerful you are. However, in reading these articles and being able to relate to these experiences, it's, it's you're awakened to, I am powerful. And, yeah, and it, 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 it's yes. not just the intellectual awareness. It becomes yes. the organismic awareness. Yes. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. And yes. you know deep within yourself that it's true. Yes, it's undeniable. It's undeniable. Well, it, it is deniable. Let's be realistic in terms, right, of, right, right, right. In terms of, of orthodox science. They, mm-hmm. There are not the tools today yet to, to prove it. And, and we need to remember that it's okay to be critical, but if you give a thing meaning, that's what's important. You, you don't have to swallow it whole. You don't have to actually fully believe it. But if you give it meaning and just mm-hmm. let it work its way within you as to what it will be, then you will see it grow within you. Uh, yes. So... We must always recognize that, well, I, I use the issue which I call working hypothesis. I have many, mm-hmm. many, many, many working hypotheses, but there are some that I have really proven. Okay, and those I say, fine, that, that part's done. We, we've, we've proven that. We can accept that. The others we think will happen, but let's move forward to do the work to prove that right. it is what we think it is. Or that the details, the fine details of what it is. Because you see, we are building, we're building our cosmos. Mm-hmm. We ultimately are the co-creators of this cosmos. And we're not built yet within ourselves or not awakened yet, whatever words we want to use, because mm-hmm. we need a language that we don't have yet. Yeah. But as we experience these things and give them meaning, then we will start developing a language uh, for them as more and more people are in the same process and they are seeing the same sorts of things and feeling the same sorts of things. And slowly but surely, we will build a robust science of this new information. Uh, yeah. And ultimately, that's that's us. We become that as we try to do that. Yeah. So I hear without, you know, without question, I hear what you're saying as, as a feeling state in my being, Bill. What I'd yeah. like to do in this moment is go out to the listeners again that are from all different international backgrounds and religions and beliefs and what have you. I, I want to move what Bill just said right down to, yes, you are co-creators in the cosmos, whether you recognize that or not, but let's bring it right down to your family unit. And if you want to play with looking for a little evidence, that you can make a difference in the collective or in your family, whatever may be of concern for you in your family. Let's say someone is ill, 
or you've had an argument with your husband and you close the door and he's walked out and you're like, oh, I just want to communicate with him. Experiment with seeing things as you want them to be. For example, your husband knowing that you love him or your child being well. Just begin to feel those as a feeling state in spite of what is in front of you. Feel it as a feeling state and then watch for the potential, the possibility of something showing up different just in your family unit by you being different in the way in which you hold that person, place, or situation. So I just wanted to, to take us out of the cosmos for a minute, Dr. Bill, and do, I mean, do you have a comment for what I just shared with the I, I, I do. I do have a comment, and it's something that I <clears throat> developed a long, long time ago, have not ever written about it, but it's useful as a response to what you just said. And here's what I felt and feel that you can do. Uh, Go quietly if you're having this kind of issue and you want to have harmony between yourself and your children or your husband or anything, your job, etc. Take some time, find a quiet space, sit in a chair, and place a chair in front of you, a physically empty chair in front of you, about, uh, oh, let's say, center chair to center chair, something like four feet, okay? And you visualize the individual that you would like better relationships with. And you radiate love from your heart and visualize a beam from your heart that goes to this image which is represents the other person and mm-hmm. and and let that cycle back to you from the other person and let's say it's crud that comes back okay <laughs> not, not not nice but but it you let it come into your solar plexus you bring mm-hmm. it up to your heart you convert it to love, and you radiate it back. And then you keep that process going, that loop. And mm-hmm. basically, over time, that crud will change to something brighter and luminous and loving. And before you know it, I shouldn't say, it, take, it takes work. But, it, but mm-hmm. you, do, you do that. And just practice that, whether it's the child or whether it's the husband or whether it's the job. Um, And then just watch in the subsequent days and weeks and months. And I think you will find that harmony starts to develop in that particular relationship. Mm. It's an interesting experiment. Uh, We all can do it. And it is a way in which we develop inner self-management, and pro- mm. provide harmony in our world. Mm. But the net result mm. of it is we become more by having participated in that self-experiment. Yes. It's as if the judgment that we were holding dissolves. 
Exactly. And it turns really out that our the, own judgment, yes. You need, everyone needs to know that love is the universal solvent of this world. Ah. Ah. That is beautiful. Very, it's real. Very it's, it's, beautiful. it's quite real, yes. Mm. And it's something that, um, let's see, I'm thinking of a of a, a newborn child, Bill. Oh yes. And you know, then all of it, all along comes the conditioning and societal conditioning, familial, etc., etc. Yep. Et Would you speak to? Let's go back to the light bulb, hundred watt light bulb. Would you speak to um, your um, idea? Let's use the word idea in this moment. Do we come in with different degrees of light that we're connected to, or are we all hundred watt? Uh, no, the issue is that <clears throat> the key the key piece is that well, let me go one step further um, or backwards the if you have molecules in a box mm-hmm. okay then and you measure the box, the box has a certain temperature, but that mm-hmm. device measuring the temperature is a representation of the mathematical mean of the box, sort of an average. The molecules themselves are moving around, colliding with each other, exchanging energies with each other, and there's a distribution uh, of that. Very few at very low energies, very few at extremely high energies, most of it around a mean. Sort of like Mm -hmm. a, not just a bell curve, but but, uh, one side of the bell curve goes out further than the bell curve and the other one uh the other side is it has not gone that far and the it seems as if what happens is that every member of that ensemble samples every possible state in the ensemble that's what the mathematics shows if you do the same thing with electrons in a box in, in a metal then you find that the electrons an individual electron samples all these various possible states, okay? Um, I mean, it harkens back to what I said earlier about the fine point pen and the grid, because the the grid gets smaller, then those are all statistically distinguishable states. So sorry for the science part, but, but basically the issue is that every member samples. Now, look at the human ensemble. The human ensemble is... I think has in nature is is the same sort of thing, but within a given lifetime, the individual is not able to sample all the possible states of the ensemble, mm-hmm. so that there is passage beyond this domain. We call it death. It's just going from one classroom to another. It's just mm-hmm. the other one's invisible, and eventually we come back as as a re-embodiment because we've only sampled a part of the possible states in the ensemble. And so re-embodiment is a crucial issue, all right, for humankind. And that comes brings back then the issue of your question. Mm-hmm. You can come back with not only, you know, not just the environment and the genetics of your parents of the, in this particular lifetime, but... The soul self has grown in the earlier lifetimes, 
and it brings yes. qualities that manifest in the bio body suits ultimately mm. so mm. so in essence one can come in with an amazing gift and you can't figure out where it comes from well right. generally it comes from having lived a remarkable life somewhere back in the chain of of lives that you've had so again I'm asking that you give meaning to this yeah. concept. And you can, so that would lead to the answer to your question, I think. Does that yes. satisfy? Yes, yes, yes. And, and yes, beautiful, Bill, beautiful. And so listeners, I'm going to jump in and we'll see what Dr. Bill, what his comment is on this with what I believe might be a real-life example of what he's saying. My three-year-old grandson, Cole, I took him to visit the, the Buddha relics in Sedona. He's three years old. He walked into a crowded room, and there's all the relics kind of like in a, oh, I don't know, like a U, U-shaped table or oblong-shaped yep. tables. They're all there. Three years old. He knows nothing about the Buddha relics. We went into the room. He dropped to the ground on his belly and started what is known as prostrating. You know, you lie on your belly and put your arms out and up and your hands back. Then you go up on your knees. He prostrated three times and then began to quickly walk around and round, and that's called circumambulating. He walked around and round the relics to the point where the lama who was there walked over and took him by his hand and went over into the corner and started talking with him. Point is, yes. so this is how this is how Bill or Dr. William Tiller answered my question as to what was that about. I can give that meaning now and and almost say he came in with some recognition. Exactly. Of what? Yes. So would you say that's an example? I think it's a lovely example, and and I think there's a great deal of veracity to it, and there are many many examples like that. So, and the more mm-hmm. we give meaning to these things, the more we will see flashes and evidence of these this in our lives, and ultimately, we will all say, well, "So what else is new?" Well, I love that. I love that. Um, but it points to what what comes in the moment is we've all heard, um, you know, look to the children. It's as if the children are reminding us of something, Bill. Of course. They're, they're, mm. They are data. Mm-hmm. They represent experimental data. So if, if you see it, it's a question of can you, how are you going to interpret it? And if you want to get better data more truth, then you have to sharpen your tools. Mm-hmm. And it'll happen. It's going to happen, but it's just a question of how long it's going to take for all of us. Right. We can, we well, can make it slow or we, or we can speed it up. Yes. The more yes. we work on it, the more we become and the more we'll manifest these things. Yes. Amazing times that we live in. So, listeners, I want to bring you back to what, what I've you know, I believe is an amazing tool right here. I'm going right back to Dr. William Tiller, publisher of the magazine Science and Spirit, How the World Works. I invite all of you, connect with that online magazine and see what it might 
awaken in you or what bells it might ring in you. It was a fascinating experience for me. And so, Bill, would you, um, would you give us some details, if you will, as to how the listeners can connect with that magazine? Do they go well, to the, ma- the website? The, mag- the magazine, is, as, I, as I see it, is, it's one word, scienceandspiritmag.com. Ah, uh, right, okay. And it's got in front of it, it, it the one that I'm looking at, it has HTTP colon yes. double slash, yes. et cetera. So, but that, yes. that's it. They just need to go to that, and uh, it's free at this point to ah, uh, observe excellent. it. And then excellent. they can subscribe to the magazine for it to continue. Uh, we need yes. to have enough subscribers, which just excellent. shows the serious interest of the world community. And yeah. uh, if so, then there won't just be three issues. There'll be 3,003, ultimately. Yes, yes. And um, so will it be monthly? Do you know of that uh, yet? I don't know that that's been worked out yet. It, uh, I, I think it can't be monthly because it's a lot of work to do it. I mean, I've written four books and I've got 33 white papers. (laughs) People can go to my website, tiller.org, and there are free white papers. There's 35 of them now, and there will be more. As I, In general, since I'm so far outside the box, then (laughs) I have difficulty publishing things in normal journals, the the best science journals, because they are not ready to a step outside the box yet. Well, guess what? I believe that the ordinary amongst us, the extraordinary in the ordinary of us, is absolutely yep. awakening to this information. So listeners, I invite you, yes, go check out Bill's white papers. It's at www.tiller.org. And yes, this magazine, yes, see what there is there to awaken in you. It certainly made a difference for me. And that's at scienceandspiritmag.com. Check it out if you need any more information. All of it will be on my website that you can connect to. I want to say, Bill, thank you. I value who you are as someone opening our minds, opening our hearts to who we really are as magnificent beings of light. Yes, well said. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. My pleasure. It's it's been a joy. Yes. Listeners, I appreciate you. I'll see you next time. Bye. Now you can also read Anya's unconventional poetry, prose, and musings at clearlight.substack.com. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Alchemy Radio Show. Join us again as hosts, guests, and callers create a new, different, and timely show. We invite you to be the shift that wants to happen in the world. Music